Yes, it's the place to be for all things franchising. Hello everyone and welcome. Uh, today's topic is all around retail leasing and I've got some really interesting material from you talking to one of the most highly qualified people in Australia, so quite fortunate. So uh, there's no doubt about it, we're going to have quite a lot of interesting information and to make sure you are informed uh, is our objective. Uh, do please have a pencil or pen and paper because I'm sure that you'll have a few notes to make as you work through it. And for members of our Franchise Simply programs, of course, this show will be available in our members' vault shortly. Um, today, um, my guest uh, that I've been working on getting here for a while is Philip Chapman. Philip's a delightful gentleman, one of Australia's leading retail shop lease advocates. He's got over 30 years' experience in retailing, shopping centre management, centre management, and leasing generally. So he's worked in, uh, his CV reads really quite amazingly. He's worked in diverse roles such as operations estate manager for retail chains, state leasing manager for one of the large shopping centre portfolios, and he, he founded and is chairman of Australia's leading retail lease consultancy firm, Lease One. Um, so this has given Philip a pretty unique perspective when it comes to looking at retail leasing, uh, and it's often a complex and contentious area, as any of you would know. Um, and he's recognised as one of the strongest, most passionate advocates in the industry. Um, I think I could say he's got a love affair with the sector, as those of us do in our various areas when we've really got a passion for what we do, and Philip mirrors that. Um, it's now, oh, since 1997, uh, he founded his business, Lease One, um, and he, he really does specialise in advising and supporting retailers across the board with all the sorts of issues you come across with, um, you know, initial leases, renewals, options, uh, market rentals, and all those other ancillaries that you get these days in retail and shopping centres, uh, and so on and so forth. And of course, dispute resolution. So uh, he's there to help. Uh, he's one of the recognised and acknowledged members of a number of the large retail uh, associations, uh, the Pharmacy Guild of Australia, Australian Retail Association, Franchise Council Australia, and the Retail, the Restaurant and Caterers Association, as well as various independent retail chains. So you can appreciate his, his, uh, his influence covers broad and wide. Uh, he is a certified shopping, ma shopping manager, and uh, uh, basically, I suppose you'd say he's been recognising uh, retailers and been involved as well, consulted with regards to various retail tenancy legislation for the last 20 years. Um, he's uh, at many forums, he's the author and co-author of a number of books. Um, his team, at least one, I think you could say, are pretty dedicated to getting strategic business savings using their knowledge uh, for their clients in retail leasing. And he uh, is accredited with lease savings annually in excess of $20 million. Uh, Philip, that's quite an achievement. Welcome today. Lovely to have you here. Oh, thank you, Brian. Those kind words. Uh, it's, um, it's an interesting industry and uh, highly specialised, but um, getting results for our retailer clients is, is what floats our boat. So, really pleasure to be here today. Thank you. Thank you. Look, we all know when it comes to retailing, the rent is one of your biggest items. It can be quite significant. So any, any help you can get in that score is pays dividends, I suppose. So um, I'd like to knock into, I've got a lot of questions. I don't know if we'll get them all handled in the time, but let's see how we go. Um, so the first one really is uh, asking a very simple question. How can retailers influence the outcomes when they're negotiating a lease, uh, Philip? 
Oh, thanks, Brian. Look, the, the um, great question. Yeah, rent is always the issue. And uh, how much are we paying? Am I paying too much? And the answer is I'm always paying too much. But look, the three key areas that they need to take into account, I think, to, to keep it simplified for the time today is the first one is just that time. Making time their friend and not their enemy. And what I mean by that is, is, is planning early for any lease event and looking forward. We strongly promote that clients and all retailers should be looking at least 18 months prior to a lease expiry or option. Start the planning research process, which leads us into the second uh, most influential area is doing the research. Research is mandatory, and it doesn't necessarily mean you know, going and spending a lot of money. It does mean putting aside the, the, the valuable resource, which is the, their own time, in, in dedicating some time for that research. And the last one's the big one, is relationships. Having a relationship with your landlord. A lease is like a, a marriage certificate. It just happens to have the divorce already packaged in. So as, for, as much as you fell in love when you started, you need to fall in love again somewhere on the line. So you, know, you may not have to like these people that much, but you've got to have a, a positive and, and constructive business relationship. So they're the three influences that really set the basics, Brian, for uh, for trying to influence a, a positive and, and uh, you know, the, the right uh, rental deal and negotiation when it comes to a lease event. Right, looking like so many relationship communication things, when it's spelt out, it sounds so easy. So <laughs> what are the sort of mistakes that retailers make when they're dealing with a lease and addressing these issues or endeavouring to? Oh, not planning. Brian's the first one, and that gets back to, I suppose, the basics we touched on before is timing. But, you know, a lease is like a government election. You know, no sooner have they won that they start campaigning for the next one. And that's the sort of mindset we should have with our lease is, yes, we might have negotiated a great deal and we're happy and we're going forward. But in five, six, seven, ten years, that's going to have to be renewed again. And um, you need to be planning for that from day one. So not planning is the big one. The other one is, is, is not knowing the numbers not understanding um, you know, how it is the real estate performs for them, whereas more so I think most retailers feel like they're performing for the landlord. And uh, the real reason there is, is when they don't do the research or don't, uh, don't know their numbers, they default to, to going towards the, the, a common measure of land and performance is rent per square metre, which in effect is, is irrelevant because it's a measure of a landlord's success, not the retailer's. So we need to get them looking at their numbers on occupancy cost ratios, turnover per square metre, etc. And the other one is not understanding the landlord and how they operate. What are their key points of influence and how they can, we can leverage those points to get in the right outcome when it comes to a lease event. You remember too, a lease is a living document. It does have a start date, it does have an end date, but in between, there, there are so many variables that can happen. If we simply just put the lease in the bottom drawer and forget about it, you're not going to achieve the best possible outcomes as your business evolves. Retailing is such a dynamic now, it's evolving within uh, two or three times within a lease, lease term now. You need to be addressing your lease and making sure it's trimmed and in the right shape as you go along. Excellent. Now, of course, everyone talks about the dollars, but we know that that's one aspect, but everything else all funnels into the dollars as well. So you mentioned there one of the things to start doing way before any any situation, whether it's the initial lease you're getting or a renewal or whatever it might be, is, is with regards to research. Where, where, where does a retailer start when they start doing research? How should they go about that, Philip? Oh, for sure. Right. Then this is a key one because it's not that hard. When we start saying research, I, I, I see a lot of clients and retailers, their eyes, <laughs> start to, their eyes start to roll back in the head and go, oh my God, what's this going to cost me? It's as simple as this one. My biggest takeaway today is if you're in a major shopping centre or a small shopping centre or you're in a high street, go and talk to your neighbours. But most 
definitely go and talk to the major supermarkets or major tenants. Sit down and have a cup of coffee with the manager there or the owner and ask them a couple of key questions. And I liken this to a supermarket, for instance. Um, ask them two things. Ask them how many customers they serve a week and what's their average basket size. Multiply the two together and you know what they're generally turning over. Straight away, you've researched what you've got a benchmark you can start comparing your business to and how you're performing. From there, spread the wings and start having a few cups of coffee with your neighbours and being, and being open and sharing with your data. All of a sudden, you're going to be start to build up a core of information and research that you can start to rely upon. Do those few things there and they'll set you on the path. The other areas is go and lean on your industry associations. It may be that you're in the, uh, the, the, the Bakers Association or the Sporting Goods Association. It may be that you're a member of the Australian Retailers Association or one of the other peak industry bodies. Go and talk to them about your occupancy cost ratio and benchmarks. If you're in a franchise system, franchise systems are fantastic because they collect a lot of data on their group. They can provide you with some really uh, fundamental research which is going to be uh, meaningful and applied directly to yourself. So it's not hard, it's not expensive. Outside of that, there are some inexpensive resources you can tap into from uh, different, different agencies out there to, to give you even deeper research. But don't think it's too hard and forget it. A few cups of coffee and you never know you're on your way. That's a brilliant suggestion. I've never thought of that. It never occurred to me before. It's so, so transparently obvious, isn't it? So uh, they've all got a vested interest really in sharing that data because they've all got to negotiate their lease at some stage or other. So... Uh, Mm, excellent. So um, when we come down to, you know, the, the actual rent they're paying, which is always, you know, contentious, I guess, or it tends to be, um, how, do you, how do you assess when it's too high? Oh, look, Brian, everyone says it's too high. Uh, you know, mm. sometimes zero is too high in some businesses because of the way they're performing. But put simply, I really do emphasise, don't get hooked up on the rate per square metre. It is a measure and a check that we can use to... To, uh, to qualify a deal later down the track, but to measure how the real estate is performing for you and your business, there's two key factors. One is knowing your occupancy cost ratio. Simple formula, and the formulas will be available in their offer later on that they can, they can, uh, they can get from this, uh, from this show. But the first one is, is your gross rent divided by your gross sales, give you a percentage. For instance, if your occupancy cost ratio is 10% and your industry benchmark, if you say so you're in the bakery industry is between six and eight, you know that you're paying too much rent. Okay, it's all about the performance, not the measure of the of the real estate on the landlord success, which is the rate per square meter. The second key measure is the turnover per square meter, and this one is can be quite frightening because. That will tell you very quickly if you have too much land under lease, which is one of the biggest problems out there. Our shops are too large or our shop is too small. And uh, we can determine when sales will plateau and when you need to be planning to have a bigger premises to maintain sales growth. A lot of businesses come to us and they, stay, they say that, hey, my sales plateaued two years ago. I can't get any more out of it. My rents and costs are going up. The business is strangled by the land and they don't realise it. So those two measures there, very quickly, a snapshot over the phone, I can tell without even walking into the business how it's performing. Is it paying too much rent? Is it too big? Are they overcapitalized on fit out? Is there too much stock on, on the shelves and, and deteriorating and fracturing the cash flow equation? So those two measures tell you if you're paying too much rent or not. Philip, Philip this is very valuable information because most of the people that I, that I, I work with, particularly in the early stages, are, are newly converted to being franchisors. So They've, they may have had some experience in negotiating leases, but not very much. It's very easy to get 
uh, sort of overpowered, if you like, in all of these large landlords and having an offer available, grabbing it because it looks sometimes too good to be true. But you're, you're saying to me, you've got to lift up the skirts, if you like, and have a look and, and see just what really are the underlying elements, particularly when it's a, a, a new site that you, uh, you've got little previous experience on. Yeah, most definitely. And, um, you know, just doing lifting up the skirt, that's a, that's a good one, Brian. I'll have to apply that analogy around the way when I'm going in with the landlords and say, well, I used to say show us your girl, but that's a good one. The, um, but the, look, you know, the role there, particularly in franchising, new franchising, the majority of retail franchise systems that fail, first of all, failed their research. They didn't grasp the, the, the depth and breadth of the research required to act, accurately estimate and project their sales. When we look at doing a lease deal, we need to what we call reverse engineer it. And franchisors need to be very specific about this as well, is being very detailed about what sales that site can generate, be conservative with that so there's some safety net, and then underneath that we reverse engineer it by applying your benchmark occupancy costs and your benchmark sales per square metre. That way I'm going to get the gross rent that fits the business and I'm going to get the size of shop that fits the business. I'm not going to be overstocked and I'm not going to overspend on capital in fit out. So the retail equation can fracture very, very quickly if we don't do those uh, you know, really elementary things at the very beginning. The other point with franchises is how they hold leases, whether they hold it themselves, whether they actually uh, license the premises and, and then license the premises to a franchisee or they ask the franchisee to hold the lease under a franchise agreement. The pendulum right now uh, usually swings about 50-50 Right at this stage, it's swinging a little bit towards franchisees holding the leases themselves, where uh, franchisors are really assessing the, their risk profile. Um, but it really doesn't vary too much. It, it has a slight waiver that the, the indicator there from time to time. So how leases are held is very important. One point I might just sorry, Brian. One point I'll just finish off on that question is, even though a franchisee is a lessee or holds the lease as a lessee, as a licensee, I should say, they really should act like the lessee and be engaged in the process, be involved. Don't just leave it as set and forget and the franchise all looks after the leasing and, and, uh, and, and don't have an active participation in it. You need to be, you're the guy pay, or girl paying the rent, you need to be influencing your outcomes. And ultimately, of course, you're responsible for all of the terms and conditions within the lease because the franchise, or if he's got a document that is probably pretty common, he's going to enforce those terms and conditions on you ultimately. So don't think that it's not your um, not an issue you need to be very, very conscious of. Mm. Yeah. And, and look, it strikes me that with, with the smaller groups launching into the market, gathering this data very carefully, very quickly as you start to grow, so critical because then you're starting to create the KPIs, you start starting to create a clear picture of what your site is, what are the various demographics and so on, to make sure that you do optimise the uh, sites that you get and the franchisees' opportunities, because uh, you, if you, if you um, encourage or allow a franchisee to move into a site that perhaps isn't really suitable, there's going to be difficulties down the track. Apart from the commercial aspect, it could get quite unpleasant as well from a legal point of view. So you need to be very conscious of that. Um, so I, I suppose when it comes to franchising and, and retail leases, we've probably covered that. Um, what was my next question? Is there anything else you wanted to add as far as that side is concerned, Philip? Oh, 
just emphasising that, uh, you know, regardless whether you are the lessee or the licensee, you know, take your retail shop lease serious. Um, you are, it's one of the most complex documents that you'll, you'll, you'll be involved in. And as a licensee, you, like you said, Brian, they're responsible for the commercial terms as well and, and the operational day-to-day -day issues. They need to understand them very, very clearly. It, it's not a set and forget. And uh, oh, the franchise is looking after that. That's going to end up in tears. You really have to be engaged. And uh, we speak with a lot of franchisees who ring us and say, can you help us out? We say, look, we can. Actually, we know what to do. Actually, the numbers tell us what to do here. But the franchise all holds the lease. And they haven't had that engagement with the franchise or in assisting them in influencing the um, the outcomes. So it's a it, it becomes a layer cake of issues, but uh, can be managed. Yeah, I think we've seen some horrific examples in recent years. I think I can safely mention the name of one Pie Face, which uh, uh, committed numerous, uh, I suppose, what, what shall I call it, errors of judgment, if you like, in site selection when they. Uh, rapidly expanded their group over the last two, three, four years and, uh, and consequently, of course, uh, went, went out of business in, their, in, in, their, in the, the business structure they were on a couple of occasions. And uh, I think leasing was probably the premium problem for cause of their problems. Um, do you have any observations you're comfortable to make on that or is that something that's uh, perhaps your best to, uh, to pass? Oh, Brian, I think it's, uh, you know, retail leases are, are, are generally public knowledge and uh, particularly with the registries out. But with PyFace, you, you, you raise a very interesting one there. You know, the rapid rollout and, and the uh, competition or perceived competition for, for, for sites, uh, they did end up overpaying for this site. So your, your analogy is spot on. We did actually uh, consult to uh, Pieface towards the end there and assisting them in, in getting through and out of some of their leases as well as tidying up some of their commercial terms but you know that's a brand I would have loved to have got involved in from the beginning and managed their process through and you know we, we may have not seen the manifestations of uh, their uh, their outcomes as, as it played out in the press and, and, and the reality so you know they're just one um, we see several like that the the, the Rolling out sites rapid, too rapidly, overpaying for them, overcapitalise on fit out. The retail equation is fractured before they even start, and um, it gets back to not doing this reverse engineering. They're doing it from the ground up, not from the volumes down. And it's very tempting when you've got a gold rush of, of prospective franchisees who all think they're onto a good thing, where they they, they think they can't go wrong. Um, you get a stampede. It's very easy to take those sites on just to keep the people you've got. And, uh, and take the opportunity for growth. But uh, what we're saying is do it at your own peril. You're better off to grow quickly, slowly. You just need to do that homework. Otherwise, uh, it's, it's a fundamental error, isn't it? Um, Most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, tell me, um, typical, so let's say, shopping centre, which is where a lot of franchises are focused on, um, yes. what's, the, what's the typical sort of size? How many pages would you see in one of their lease agreements these days? Oh, look, around the – with the big, larger uh, – institutional portfolios and REITs, at least document can range from sort of 45 pages to about 65, 70 pages. There'd also mm -hmm. be ancillary documents with uh, deeds, uh, which may be for mortgages consents, there'd be bank guarantee deeds, there'd be uh, fit out contribution deeds. There's also the a very important documentation, which uh, should be relied upon and, and should be treated with a, a lot more uh, emphasis and respect is the lessor's disclosure statement. And if you're in Queensland, you've got, uh, you may also have a financial and legal advice certificates. So when a lease comes through, it's not just the lease or the core instrument itself. 
there's uh, there's a could be up to half a dozen ancillary documents with it. So to see eighty to hundred pages all up, Brian, is not unusual. So don't blithely sign those and think you're right and feel happy because therein lies the devil, I suppose, potentially. Um, right. So um, when it comes to that, I mean, obviously we've got these fairly complicated documents. We've got a number of key elements which you, you could anticipate. You mentioned a number of them. What, what can a retailer, retailer do to, to improve their retail lease when they're looking at a site that they'd like to uh, like to uh, occupy? Well, I think. Um you know, when they like to occupy, it's, it's really getting down to uh, laying on the table first and foremost, not just the, the, the benchmarks that they've set, the sales projections they're looking at. So there's a clear understanding of the performance that needs to be achieved here. But what most retailers do, and, and it really fathoms me, is that they don't put on the table the capital they have to spend on their fit out. We see fantastic mm. lease deals being done and then after the fact they realise they've gone through the fit-out guide of, of the shopping centre and they realise that what they'd budgeted for $200,000 for a fit-out is now three or $400,000. A great lease deal has gone south because of the capital. Mm. Put mm. the capital on the table up front, do that research and part of you going into and entering into those negotiations is, hey, it's going to cost us $400,000. Get that fit-out guide early, understand it, get some uh, fairly detailed costings beforehand. It's a fantastic lever to negotiate the commercial terms of the lease in right. two areas. Rent and also a period of time extending the lease from say a standard five to maybe seven so that you can amortise those capital costs over extended period. Hmm. I was, I've spent some time recently talking to an emerging group from, uh, from Melbourne. They've got slightly different... Um, product in the clothing wear, but industrial clothing, uh, quite unique. And uh, they are now in nine sites, all in major shopping centres. And th they're obviously tr tremendous negotiators and also they're obviously a tenant that the sites desperately or the centres desperately want because they, they've told me that they've had basically the contribution for their fit-outs totally paid by the shopping centres. How common is that, Philip, and how likely are you to get some support with for things like fit-outs and, and the holiday periods on your lease and so on? Oh, look, a strong negotiator with a strong offer and, and certainly something that's where there's bit, they're researched and, and they've leveraged their, um, their market to say that they've created a need in, this, in the centres tenancy mix can achieve very, very good results. Um, we see regularly uh, negotiate for clients and, and get fit-out contributions in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. But at the same time, too, that they are fairly large premises. There is a, a fairly large rent component. And, um, we, you know, it's the offset of that capital against what how the landlord is going to perceive the covenant of that lease. So if you've got a great covenant, which just means measuring the risk of, that, uh, of, of the lessee uh, failing, is, is that strongly reduced because it's a strong brand, they have good asset and liability, then the landlords more, are more aligned to investing. And um, there's money on the table. You need, there's a glass invisible bowl there. You need to understand how to get your hand in there. And that's something I think that most of us really might think we're good negotiators, but you're going in fairly blind. It's, it, it, I, I used to be involved when I was in the building industry, development and, selling houses, I had a real estate license. And, you know, I found even though I built developments myself, you know, units and so on, I wasn't the best person to sell them because the, the relationship between the purchaser and me as the builder 
wasn't as good as when I had a, a real estate agent there acting as a third party was able to express things differently and more frankly, perhaps, and build the rapport that maybe I couldn't. Uh, and I, I, that's where I see the advantage of having someone like yourself to uh, assist you, assist with the lease because it, it is, the more we talk about it um, and the more we look at the material you've produced, um, it, it just gets more and more complicated, uh, particularly because different states around the country have their various legislation, which just makes it all the more difficult, doesn't it? Oh, it can be a minefield. It is a complex area, retail shop leases. Um, you know, the, the, the lease documents, no one lease document is the same. Similarly, there's no one piece of land the same. But then you've got also all the other issues which compound upon it and affect the outcome there is, is, the, is the government and their influence is, is, is relation to, as you said, there's varying retail lease legislation in each state and territory. Uh, I hope that over the, over the ensuing years that we'll be able to bring that to a common form legislation. They're close as far as um, some of the key elements but uh, and minimally standards, but there's still nuances in each state that everyone needs to understand. So a bit hard to do business across borders uh, without knowing and, and, and having that knowledge as well. So having someone that can that can uh, weave through that as well as leverage um, the, the, the client or the retailer's uh, specific benefits and, and needs uh, is, is where the, the outcomes and the savings really stem. Yeah, look, we won't go into the politics, but I think for everybody in business, it's so disappointing the way that the politicians are more more set on point scoring than looking after people in business or, or their constituents as a whole. But uh, it wouldn't take much to get it done, but there doesn't seem to be the motivation, does there? It's a shame. But uh, as you say, hopefully it'll happen sometime fairly soon. Um, let's, let's hope. Yeah. Now, when, when we go into a business, you know, we, we're looking there to grow it. And traditionally, if you run the business well, you negotiate the lease well. When, when it comes to at some stage, someone taps you on the shoulder or you decide it's time to sell, um, we come to that business of establishing its value. Now, the lease can have quite an impact on that. What, what, how would you describe the, the impact on the, the goodwill or, or value of the business when it comes to, to leasing and so on? Oh, good question, Brian. And when we get a lot of brokers and we work with some of the larger broker, brokerage firms in the country in relation to this area, First of all, your lease needs to be seen as an asset. Unfortunately, most people treat it as an anchor. And uh, that, that becomes that mindset that needs to change straight up. That, that it is an important uh, foundation stone to the business and, and what its value is. The length of your lease really reflects or underlines any goodwill component and the value of your business. So, you know, you should always have your lease in a situation where possible that it's, it's, it's saleable at any stage. And I'll give you the analogy of we do a lot of work with the pharmacy sector. And over the years, we've pushed those out from five-year leases. Well, over 20 years, we've pushed from five-year leases to seven, now to, to average on tens, 10-year 10 yeah. leases. When we finish doing a, a, a lease deal for a client and we've, we've got them uh, all set up and, and the new commercial terms, everyone's happy, I say to them that they'll be knocking on their door in seven years' time. And they say, well, why seven years? I said, because I need to turn the seven-year lease into a 17-year lease. And again, their eyes roll in the back of the head. What's chapter on again about this time? But what we're looking to do is take the landlord out of this cycle so that we can extend their lease again for another 10 years. So always looking forward to ensure that you're continually adding value to the lease. Where you can see um, there may be something happening through the term of the lease where there may be new products come into your industry or there's been a change with your franchise group that um, we can leverage to create a lease event to say, look, we really need to top up this lease by a few more years and we're going to do a mini refurb in this area to introduce a new department 
or a new product range. Doing and influencing something like that can extend a five-year lease to an eight to a nine very quickly. And what you're doing is underlining the value of your asset, and that's mm. your goodwill. So it has a, to answer the question simply, your lease really does, uh, in the equation, equal goodwill. That's absolutely right. It's, we've seen these days, and it's happening more and more, and continue to, I think, the consolidation with franchise groups where one buys another out. So, you know, retail food group buys crust pizza and so on and so forth, and, and the value of that asset, because they don't crust pizza in no stores themselves, are two elements, aren't they? They're the franchise agreement, but that is critically paired with the lease because if you've only got a short-term lease, then that really diminishes the prospective value of that particular outlet, that particular asset, dramatically. You can't assume you're going to get a renewal, can you? <laughs> well, that's right. It's property economics 101 too because you, you, uh, if you've got a short, uh, you'll hear the terminology whale, which is weighted average lease expiry. Means that they're reviewing the risks or the soon risk or the, or the critical path to the risks of market market forces, whether it be not getting a new lease or the lease or the lease or the rental being reviewed substantially. So, constantly reviewing that, being in front of that wave is going to add value to your business, and people are going to see that, and they're going they're going to, they're going to make your business stand out of the crowd when it comes to a sale, because it's ready for sale, it's in good shape, you you've been proactive. And, and that's what will pay dividends down the track. I think there are a number of dividends you can collect because as a franchisor, the more knowledge you have in this area, I mean, it's, it's, as Philip says, it's 101 in some degrees, but when you've got that experience, you've accumulated that, accumulated that knowledge, you're able to illustrate to prospective franchisees who could be well looking at a competitor as an option as far as another franchise they may want to go into, but you can show that you know your stuff, and I think this is critically important. So there's nothing like meeting a franchisor who's confident, who knows all these aspects, and without being, you know, showing off about it, can clearly show to the prospective franchisee that they do understand the issues, and whilst they're not diminishing the importance of them, they're saying, you've got a friend in hand, you know, we're here to help you work through it. And uh, um, Which is where I come down to what you do, Philip, uh, because you are a friend in hand there. You offer services with, um, you know, for for uh, for tenants or franchisors. How does that relationship? Could you just describe that for me briefly? Well, the, the services we provide are very adaptive, Brian. And thanks for asking. Look, we connect for you know independent retailers and in helping them with that uh, lease event. We take the phone calls for the members of all the varying uh, retailer associations you mentioned before. We act like a call centre and offer them some free advice, but rather give them that time, that 15, 20 minutes of quality time, answer their questions, steer them on the right path rather than they stub their toe, and we get a call later on and the problem's festered. So we can do that. We also get involved with large franchise groups and retailer groups and actually manage and oversee their portfolios. We often go and sit on boards where we go and consult to that group in relation to their retail leases and their portfolio. Um, we also do a lot of educational programs. We speak at... at uh, conferences and seminars, etc., in, in, in guiding people in how to influence and get a better outcome from their retail lease uh, market, their environment and their relationships. Um, quite often we, we get engaged in, in uh, when it comes to renewal, etc. Um, we've got clients now who have over the um, over 20 years have come to come back to us uh, three times or four times just now because they you know, were early adopters of our service back in 1997. 
And we're able to offer them value each time because we've got some oversight and take some care about their lease as they go forward. We set up electronic reminders for all of them to say, hey, your lease is coming up in 18 months' time. Here's a checklist of the things you need to start doing. Here's another reminder a couple of months out, et cetera, et cetera. So we like to get them out there. We like to try and assist them. We're not about just doing a lease deal with your clients and then the last thing you see is the back of our heels. It's, it's, they're a living document. And as I say, it's like a marriage certificate. It just happens to have a divorce in there. And uh, we've got to go play Cupid occasionally. Well, talking about the Cupid aspect, I mean, I was just about to, uh, to raise that one about it's a bit late when the cat's out the bag or whatever you might like to say when someone has a dispute. Obviously, you'd like to have been involved earlier and you could have perhaps avoided it or diffused it or be more familiar with the circumstances. But what about when a, a tenant does have a dispute? Um, how, how do you suggest they go about handling that? Oh, first things, bro, look, the disputes are a big thing, and a lot of them are perception. The yeah. first thing to do is, is step back from the emotion, uh, take a deep breath, uh, go and get some advice, but sit down and read your lease again, just to make sure that you're across uh, all, all the obligations of both the lessee and the landlord, and be familiar with the Retail Leases Act in your respective state and territory. Sounds a bit complex, but the basics are already in there. And if you take a, then a, a, a walk in someone else's shoes for a moment, you'll probably find that there is a resolution to be found. The first, but the first step after that is, is to get active. Put your hand up and get help or assistance. You know, ring your retailer association, ring your franchise group, ring your industry body, or you know, someone like uh, you know, perhaps even our office as well. But what they really need to do is then document. And when I say document, record, document, record, document, record. A lot of issues relate these days in the larger shopping in relation to redevelopments where there can be a perceived disruption to trade because there's works and car parks blocked and entrances moved, etc., etc. What a lot of retailers do is they wait until the very end or when they are in distress and can't pay the rent to have recorded the effects that are happening. My advice when these things are happening in these particular ones is start recording from day one your sales compared to last year and start recording any effect that's happening. And then early in the piece, sit down with your landlord and say, hey, I'm being affected. How can we ride the tide out here and get through the development together so that we can maintain our, our trading conditions and profitability while you, de you deliver your development? Be open and honest about it, but it's all about the facts and figures. If, if you don't do that and you, you, you're highly emotional uh, about it, then you're not going to get the outcome that's going to get you through. So that one's a specific one. The other big one, Brian, if I might just touch on it, is air mm. conditioning. In the smaller uh. Uh, strip centres, etc., the big complaint or dispute we have is about air conditioning and who's responsible for maintaining it when there's a, break, a major breakdown. Again, I ask everybody to step back to their lease and there, there may be specific clauses there that may say who is to maintain the air conditioning they usually specify that it's got to be under a maintenance contract. If that's the case, as a lessee retailer, you need to comply with that because if and when there's a major breakdown, then that capital expenditure becomes the landlord's. If you don't maintain it, then the landlord has every right to say, well, you didn't maintain it, you can pay for the replacement. So I get those phone calls every week, Brian, so I just want to stipulate that one. It's, it's a mm. small one, but gee, it's widespread. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's great advice. Um, I, I found this really absorbing, actually. There's, there's quite a few things, I think, if, if you haven't written these down, I think you need to, 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 to do so that uh, Philip's made. Uh, number one, I think, um, 
is that before you embark on any lease situation, you need to do your research. Uh, you need to give yourself plenty of time. Don't be rushed. I do see people intimidated almost. They see an opportunity from a shopping centre. They're newly, uh, they're new as, 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 I suppose, as franchisors or tenants when it comes to negotiating, and they're rather in awe. And I think sometimes they rush in without really stepping back, as you say, to take the emotion out of it. And they commit themselves to a deal that they're going to regret possibly in the future. So that's important. I think, as ever with everything, communication, building those relationships is so important. And, uh, and share that knowledge with your neighbours. I think that's just a simple thing to do and a great way of getting some fantastic knowledge, which otherwise you may only learn about uh, the hard way. So um, tremendous, tremendous stuff. Is any, I've pretty much finished my questions, and I hope I haven't put you off track with a few ones I threw in there. But um, anything else you'd like to add, Philip, in, in, before we wrap up? Oh, look, Brian, I could just emphasise that, um, you know, being a member of, you know, the peak retailer associations, whether it be the Australian Retail Association, Pharmacy Guild, Franchise Council, Restaurant and Caterers, you know, be a member, get involved. They have resources there to help you. So at any stage you've got an issue, you can pick up the phone. They'll get you the advice and support you need. If you don't, you know, membership has its value. And it may be that you never have a cause to ring them, but they're their backstop. It's like an insurance policy. They're there and get you the guides you need when you need it. So don't think you're alone out there. And uh, you know, you're part of a wider team. And uh, you know, retailing is the largest, one of the largest uh, industries in, in this country. And uh, retailers themselves need to work more collaboratively and, and, and together and share more data because the common enemy, I suppose, well, not enemy, the common uh, partner is, is the landlord. And you know, we are never going to take the word lord out of landlord. <laughs> yes, it's a right to be, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so um, when I was talking to you earlier, I was encouraging my guests to uh, perhaps make some offer towards our, our listeners where they can perhaps get a little bit of extra knowledge or whatever. And you, you very kindly have made, I think, a very generous suggestion. Perhaps you'd like to tell me what, uh, what it is that you're offering to our, our listeners, uh, uh, Philip? Oh, thanks, Brian. Look, it really is a pleasure and an honour. Um, we're celebrating 20 years. We've just uh, completed the, uh, the, the the second version of the Retail List Digest, which is pretty much a dictionary of all the sort of uh, common uh, terminology that would be used in retail leasing and inside a lease to help people understand and and uh, sort of uh, certainly uh, get a better understanding of the, of the terminology that's used in property, which can be daunting. Uh, but also, too, we've, we've put at the back there a lot of formulas, etc. like we talked about earlier with uh, talking about occupancy cost ratios and sales per square metre, etc., to help you understand the numbers when you're going to do your research. So those formulas are at the back. It's, not just, it's normally valued at uh, $95 uh, because we're having our birthday. We're going to offer that to uh, all the franchise uh, Simply members and, and audience today via your office uh, free of charge for the ebook. Lovely. Well, we'll put a link up for that. Uh, just contact, just email me. So um, I'll just give you the contact details where we're on that point. Uh, 1300 960 136 is a telephone. Uh, email just Brian at Franchise Simply. And of course, our website is franchisesimply.com.au. Um, well, um, Philip, it's, it's been delightful talking to you. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, it, it's great to learn more and more. You never stop, do you, in business? So. We're really indebted to you for giving us your time. I know you're a very busy man. Um, and I'm sure everyone will join me uh, in saying it's been a privilege having the opportunity to get to know you better. Uh, hearing your words of wisdom accumulated over several decades, that's fantastic. So 
uh, and all that's distilled into this book of yours. So that's, that's, that's I think, going to be a great benefit for people. So I do encourage you to get in touch with us uh, and do that. And if you'd like to get in touch with Philip himself, um, you can go to, uh, to, the, to the website, Lease One, um, and uh, otherwise, if you have any difficulty there, by all means, please contact me and I'll, I'll uh, introduce you to very, very quickly. So, so in closing, any, any other points to make, um, Philip, uh, before we... Oh, Brian, my usual, close, my usual closing statement is uh, retailers don't get what they deserve, but they do get what they negotiate. So have a great day and it's been an honour and a privilege. Thank you. Great. Thank you again, Philip. So this is Brian Keane from Franchise Simply. I'm signing off. Looking forward to being with you when we interview our next Franchise Radio Show guest.